Okay, so the draft is over. Uh, what did we learn about the Patriots? Well, I would argue it's the same thing we've known all along since Bill Belichick took over. They don't give a f- about what you think, about what I think, about what 31 other teams think apparently around the draft. And look, that is fine. That is more than fine. I think we could all probably live our lives caring a little less about what people think. But this isn't about an outfit or an Instagram post or how your intro sounds in the fourth episode of the Fastest Rising Patriots podcast out there. Rate, review, and subscribe. This is about business, okay? And with the draft, the Patriots are getting annihilated for the business they did on Thursday night, taking a first-round guard. On Friday night, taking a speedy receiver most teams thought would go 24 hours later. And then the business they did Saturday with rounds four through seven, taking two running backs, a backup quarterback in the fourth round, and a bunch of O-linemen. And I think it's largely fair because with the draft, you can take it from Belichick himself. This is not about stockpiling talent, though I would agree they didn't do a very good job of that either. It's about building a team. And team building comes down to maximizing value. And you'll hear me say this a bunch of times in my upcoming conversation with NBC Sports Boston's Phil Perry. Phil is great. He was great. He does as thorough a job with the draft as anybody. But the best way to view the draft is not like free agency where you're dealing with largely known commodities. The draft is about a series of bets and the teams at the top of the draft have the best odds of getting the best players, right? That's easy enough to see. But even when they feel great about a guy at number one or number three or seven overall, whatever it is, they'll tell you they can feel as certain as they want about a player. Guy's going to make 10 Pro Bowls, go to the Hall of Fame. They don't know because none of us can predict the future. Injuries happen. Money changes people, okay? So you're just looking at these players instead, probabilistically. Look at them as bets. So when you look at the Patriots draft picks, ask yourself three things, because this is what these bets come down to. First, what is the most likely outcome for this player's career? Second, how does this player help the Patriots? And third, when could they have drafted him? Okay. And when you look at most of the 10 players the Patriots drafted, there are serious issues for each one of them with at least two questions, okay? Cole Strange, you know how he's going to help. He's going to be a new starting guard, left guards, what he played at Chattanooga, okay? Plug him in and play him, okay? What's the most likely outcome for his career, though? Is, is he, is he going to be a perennial pro bowler? Because he was good, not great at the senior bowl. You go look back at all the reviews of the top players there, kid from Chattanooga, he needs to prove himself against upper-tier competition. He was okay. He was good, solid. Tyquan Thornton, second-round receiver, 4-2 speed. He's going to open up the offense. That's how he helps the team. What's the most likely outcome, though, for a guy who's six foot two, 181 pounds soaking wet and doesn't have the best three-cone time? Because the history would tell you, even guys drafted in the top 10 like that, John Ross to Cincinnati a few years ago, who was shorter but ran 4-2, it's not great, okay? And then when could they have drafted him? Because like Cole Strange, a lot of people thought Tyquan Thornton was not only a big reach by one round, but maybe even two or three. And then you go to day three. How does a second running back help you in Kevin Harris? Bailey Zappi, a fourth-round quarterback who's not going to play in 2022 and doesn't, doesn't really describe this as a toolsy guy. So if you're going to draft someone and develop him, shouldn't it be the dude with the rocket arm who just needs a little bit of help speeding up his process in the pocket? My point is, look at them as bets. The Patriots could still very much hit on Cole Strange as a pro bowler. Tyquan Thornton could be a thousand yard receiver starting next season, but how likely is that? And could they have waited to maximize their value with these picks by waiting a little bit longer? Again, Phil and I get into this 
It's the questions to ask themselves. So when you hear grades and assessments and declarations about this was good or bad or hideous and they're getting killed, that's how you need to look at this. It's not set in stone now, but given the information the Patriots had, did they make the smartest bets? Last thing, um, after the Patriots, Patriots fans are starting to kill media experts when it comes to the draft. I will admit, I watch film on a lot of different guys. I seek feedback from the few teams that I get to talk to and lean heavily on draft experts like NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah and Todd McShay. The guys at the top of that industry, and it is growing seemingly every single year, they talk to teams too, okay? These are not just gas bags you tune in midday to pass the time when you call out sick from work, okay? They're talking to teams, getting feedback that shapes their boards and real opinions from inside the league. So it's not that they're just going and watching film on mute and rewinding rep after rep after rep for fun, okay? It's not. Okay, Jeremiah worked for three different teams. Todd McShay got invited to work in the Jets for an office. Insert Jets joke here. They know what they're talking about. But just like those teams that they worked for or could have worked for, they'll tell you it's a crapshoot. They're just trying to increase their odds of getting it right to help inform you, the viewer. And right now, their information, as well as mine, is the Patriots made some pretty big and bad bets. Last thing, Phil had to run. Um, so we caught our interview short. We cover a lot with this draft, including our favorite picks and least favorite picks. Um, but I had a new segment I was ready to drop on him that was honestly inspired from last week, which if you hadn't listened, I had Ted Johnson on, three-time Super Bowl champion linebacker, draft of the 90s, played for Parcells and Belichick. Ted was phenomenal. And honestly, the first 40 minutes in the draft were, were good. They were solid. They were cold strange. But the last 20 were your Logan Bankins. Pro bowler, going to make the Patriots Hall of Fame. Ted was phenomenal on old stories. We got into speeding tickets. Somehow this dude is a magnet for them, but gets out of them 60 to 70% of the time. So that talk about speeding tickets is something we're going to start to do here more. Four downs, four non-football topics for all of our guests. Again, it didn't happen with Phil because we had to run. But listen to Ted and look for that moving forward. Another thing that got cut because Phil had to go, uh, the mailbag. I have answers to your questions. Everyone who asked them on Twitter, we had one from email we'll get to next week. But we have three questions. I'll have the answer. I wanted to do a back and forth where you both give you our information. You just get me this week, but it'll be a hybrid moving forward. So that's it. Go back and listen to the Ted. And in the meantime, here's Phil and your boy. And uh, one last message from Bet Online AG. Okay. If you haven't so far in the NBA playoffs, you are leaving money on the table at Bet Online AG. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You can find all the latest sports developments. I guess it just means news and odds and updates, uh, including updated odds in the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, fights, and even season futures. So with Major League Baseball underway, the Red Sox, right, don't look hot. They're going to be on the up. So you might as well make some money as they start to bounce back from 9 and 14. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite casino and poker games. Last thing, it's super easy to get started. I've done it. So head to the website, betonline.ag, and use our promo code CLNS50. For your 50%, again, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's Bet Online, where the game starts. Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston in the house on a Monday after the draft. He is alive, I'm happy to report. It's a long weekend, man. I just asked you, you recovered? You look good. Oh, thank you. So do you. I mean, you know, it takes a good 48 hours, I think, to get fully refreshed. But we're there now. And now, you know, now we've got all kinds of energy to just dissect this thing. 
Yeah. And I love having you on. I asked you, uh, I think a little over a week ago because you do as good of a job as anybody in the draft. You got the broad jumps, you got the short shuttles, you got how many guys, you know, live within a hundred mile radius of Nick Saban, uh, grandfathers, Alabama fans, Rutgers guys. It matters. It matters. Or I, I, at least I thought so. I thought so until this weekend, this weekend was, uh, the definition of an outlier draft for them. Yes. Prototypical Patriots is going to look very different. I think next year when we do this in about 11 months, but um, that's something I wanted to talk to you about just in terms of their prototypes, things changing. But before we get into that, we've done granular for so long, right? Like I just talked about it, all the 40 times, the broad jumps, whatever. Let's zoom way the hell out to start. We've had 40 hours roughly to get any new perspective you might have on this draft, which has been widely panned, pummeled, just crushed. Do we feel any differently or what things have we gleaned now with just a little bit more time and space? Uh, listen, I, I get why it's getting panned and nothing that I've been told really makes me feel too much differently about it personally in that it is an outlier draft for them. I'm, I mean, big picture, you want to look at some of the trends here. I think the Patriots have gotten faster, no doubt, right? They got faster at receiver. They added a couple of corners that I think are pretty twitchy guys. They added a fast running back. They've also gotten older, Andrew, which I know you've pointed out in terms of the prospect ages. You know, you're looking at a lot of 24 year olds, guys that are going to be, you know, maybe 25 I don't know, in the near future here. Like it's, they've gotten older. They've taken a lot of players, you know, four from FCS or lower programs this year, which as far as I can tell is the most of any draft class in the Bill Belichick era. Yep. Uh, you know, including obviously their first round pick and Cole Strange. Um, you know, so they, they've gone after players that are really light too. So like, I, I understand the, the thing about, they want to get tough to me. I don't know how you accomplish that with your second, third and fourth picks. Uh, you know, I think those guys probably are tough, right? They're all tougher than, than, than me, probably you and me, Andrew, not Come to on. speak out of turn here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're a beast. We all know that, but you know, how far does toughness go? When you're 171 pounds at the combine, the way Jack Jones was, or you're 5'8", 175, the way Matt, um, Marcus Jones is. And Marcus Jones is probably my favorite pick of the weekend. But it is what it is. These guys are small. Thornton is 180 pounds at 6'2". I mean, he's built. He's a, he's a track star, and he's built like it. You know, so yeah. they have gone outlier, not even just from their perspective, Andrew, and some of the things that they generally like. They've gone outlier for, you know, the entire league, you know, these guys are in the first or second percentile in terms of certain categories. Thornton's hand size is just over eight inches. I mean, I don't know how much any of it will matter. Right. But it, it is just, a, it is a very different kind of class for the Patriots. Well, I think the two things that macro touched on his two press conferences, we get to speak with him are what I stuck with the last 40 hours. Cause I think that's the framework, right? You step back, they wanted to get faster and they wanted to get tougher. And I think the tougher part speaks probably more mentally. Right. And I checked in on this and I was told that's exactly right. Like we started in January saying what went wrong going one and four over the last final stretch. So I'm not here to give you a good measurement on mental toughness with these kids that we're still learning about. But I think as far as those two things go, did they get faster? Did they get tougher? It sounds like to you. And I would agree I'm not sure how much faster or tougher they got as a whole, just with this draft, understanding your second round pick Tyquan Thornton might not see the field this season. Well, and that, isn't that funny? Because that to me is the pick that this whole draft class kind of hinges on, because if he turns into a real player and you're looking at Stefan Diggs or something in a couple of years here, Andrew, then it's a phenomenal draft. Great job by you. And he becomes a real legitimate explosive play threat. Amazing. 
Yep. Otherwise, I'm just not sure of the ceiling you've provided yourself with this draft class by taking a, a starting caliber guard in, in the first round, which for teams that are not championship contending teams just does not usually move the needle all that much. You know, even Quentin Nelson, who might be a Hall of Famer at guard, has he really drastically improved the Colts' chances at winning a Super Bowl? He, and he, he was hasn't. The number four overall pick. Like, right. I mean, let's just get into Cole Strange right now because I, I think the way it, it took me a while to figure out that pick, clearly they were higher on him than the rest of the league. That, that's established. They trade back, take him 29. They saw him, I think, the way what happened is Zion Johnson, clearly number one guard in this class, I think they would have loved to have had him. If Cole Strange to them was a 1B as opposed to the number four or five guy in this class, he might have been their last plug-and-play available starter. And that's where they say, this is our biggest hole in the starting lineup. It's not a premium position. I asked Bill about this after. You have spent less draft capital and interior linemen than any other position on the roster. Why the change now? And I think that's the only explanation of, he was the only guy on the board we felt comfortable starting week one. And again, they liked him higher than anyone else, even if and, I, again, disagree with the premise. Right. And, and and I'm with you there because you could still find a starting caliber guard in the second round at pick number 54 overall in all likelihood. You know, there, there were a couple there. And, and one thing that I did hear after the strange pick was, you know, it's it's a little bit of an odd year, even though it was a very deep class across positions. The interior of the offensive line, it did not get a sense for it being a really deep class there. So somebody actually told me, one yeah. um, executive told me, like, you might be able to find a starting corner in this draft later than you can find a starting guard. That position just dries up pretty quickly. So to your point, that might be it. But it just felt like, to me, he was their guy. Andrew, he was going to be their guy. And they knew they could move back a little bit from 21 to go get him. And they did. They added a little bit of value. So I guess good on them for that but he can still be your guy and you can still get him in the second round. And meanwhile, in the first round, add another talented player to your team at a position, for instance, that you clearly wanted to address in corner. And yet the consensus third best corner in this year's draft class is there sitting for you at 21. I mean, that was best case scenario to me. Trent McDuffie was a player that I've been told so many good things about during the pre-draft process that I thought it might be worthwhile for them to trade up to, for instance, Philly's second pick in the first round just to make sure he could get that guy because the position means that much. And because he seems like such a, a safe and solid pick in the first round and they pass on him entirely to get a guard. And listen, I think I like Cole strange. I've talked to a lot of people who like Cole strange, but the conversation has almost gone like too far. And like the Cole strange is going to be a great player. And like, there's a reason he was a, a second to third round pick. He did not have a, he had a good senior ball but it was not flawless and he is coming from a lower level competition and he is a little bit light. And I think there are questions about how well he'll anchor. So there are questions, even with that pick, Andrew, even though that, that one seems like a safe pick, yeah. like we have to wait and see how it plays out. You, you go back and look at the list of senior bowl standouts. Who are the top 10 guys who saw their stock rise in the senior bowl? He is not in any of those lists. So yes, he went there, he performed and pe people are picking on him for Travis Jones walking him back in those one-on-ones we have two clips that are going around on twitter but i think you're right the rationalization has already started to begin of like oh he's a high floor safe pick week one starter i think that's how the patriots view him right i'm not sure they're totally right and if you're wrong that's your first round pick because i think and we'll get into this later the draft is a is you know a series of bets right and the bets are you know have three parts how good is the player how likely are they to be as good as you think they are and then what was the opportunity cost you know when could you have got them I think you had questions for 
every single draft pick with two of those three parts, which is not a good sign. And not only McDuffie, who you mentioned, because he's the opportunity cost part of this, right? The knock on him was short arms. Right. And he's a little bit short. Right. You know who else is a little bit short? Jack Jones, Marcus Jones. And they had no problem picking them in the third and fourth round. They are, they're not a little bit small either. Like, like Jack Jones, I think is 5'11". So he's got some, a little bit, maybe more length to him, but 171 pounds. I, I just, I, I have genuine questions about how he'll be able to tackle at the next level. And now we're hearing, well, you know, he's probably a little too small to play on the outside, but you could play him in the slot. Really? You're going to play a guy who weighs 170 pounds in the slot and hope that he can tackle a running back on a play that, you know, bounces outside the tackle because that's right. where you find yourself at times. Jonathan Jones, Patrick Chung, all these guys that are undersized, but they're not that undersized. They can play in there. I don't know if Jack Jones, I don't, I don't know what situations Jack Jones works on the field. Cause not only is he small, Andrew, he's also not fast. He, he ran a four or five at, at the, at the, and I think he's probably a little twitchier than some of his test numbers would indicate. Yep. But man, that's a, that's a, that's a tough bet to make. And, and on, let's do on small Jones. and slow and, and off the field red flags with your first fourth round pick. That's a real pick. And the optimists, again, we're going to have this slow rationalization of fans going, look, we hated the draft class when it happened, but we're stuck with them. Let's find the positives. I'm not saying finding the positive is a bad way to go about life, right. particularly with football where everything's outside of your control. But the rationalization in comparison with Jack Jones is going to be JC Jackson, who everyone just left. The trouble with looking at Jack Jones, another ball hawking corner um, and JC Jackson J.C. Jackson was three years younger when he came in here. He was an undrafted rookie, and he was 21 pounds heavier than Jack Jones was. So Jack Jones encompasses a lot of what we just talked about before, how their process has changed. He's 24, which, look, it's not because everyone had to wait or two, a year or two like we all did with the pandemic. The kids that they're taking started college in 2016 and 2017. This is not everyone else is dealing with 24-year-olds. The Patriots have four of their five top picks are going to be 24 this year if they're not already. So he's older, he's lighter and a little bit quicker. And I think it just spoke to the changes that they had where the positional value in terms of draft capital investment and the style of players that they picked it is totally different. And you saw that was strange, obviously in Tyquan Thornton, but also with guys in the fourth round with Jack Jones. Yeah. I just, I, I love your point about, well, McDuffie was maybe too small. This is what I heard. Okay. So this is one, um, personnel person who's familiar with the Patriots and how they do things, you know, maybe he was a little too small and therefore was going to have a hard time as a tackler. That's, that's how it was put, put to me. Okay. So he's a little smaller. His arms are short. So maybe he can't do the press man thing, but you know, Hey, maybe they're going zone anyway, and he can cover. I've, I haven't heard a single question about his ability to stick with his assignment and coverage. So this came back to allowed last year. That's it. It came back to his size and his ability to get guys on the ground. How do you rationalize passing on that player to then invest in two guys in the, in the middle rounds at that same position. I understand it's later in the draft. I get it. So you're willing to maybe take some warts that you wouldn't be willing to take in the first round. But if you want a certain profile at corner, you got it twice in the third and fourth rounds and you weren't willing to go for it once in the first, you know, and, and you're passing in that opportunity cost question comes up because you could have had a cam Jurgens from Nebraska. Who's a really athletic interior offensive lineman from a much bigger program, by the way, uh, who people think the world of, and you had an opportunity to get a guy like that a little bit later, but, um, well, you know, where to he me, went is, to? that to me is the biggest question. He went 51, a pick after Taekwondo right. Thornton, where right. you're talking about, okay, maybe Cole strange doesn't fall back to 54 as all the media experts are projecting. You know what? That happens all the time. I thought Josh Pascal 
edge out of Kentucky was as prototypical Patriot gets. He's projected around 73. He goes 45. So that's a guy where you can't wait on. It happens all the time in the draft. I think the consensus board for the media do get overrated. But if Cole Strange wasn't going to fall, you had Cam Jurgens right there where you traded up if you had taken a corner like McDuffie in the first round. And instead of taking a receiver, Tyquan Thornton, who definitely would have been available later, you know, it, it's just. What do you it, think of that trade up? Because that to me was interesting. I, I look at that and I say, wow, that looks like the pro personnel department had that on the nose. I mean, they, they knew a, re, a run on receivers was coming and they saw the teams that were ahead of them and they, they figured there could be as many as three receivers that go off here. We need to trade up at least four spots and, and get our guy. Right. Yeah. And I think Doug Kide had this too, that he talked to a couple teams who thought Taekwon was going to go or then, you know, picks later or was a number one receiver on their board. So there's some love for him around the league. I think it just, again, we keep coming back to this idea of their draft process has evolved. It started after Casario left Siegler comes in macros promoted director of college scouting macro, obviously still here. They're starting to change. And I think, they just chased the need so fast in this draft where guard is a positional thing, right? But Thornton is more about the team speed we've, we've been talking about for two or three months. And I think good on them for nailing that trade. I just wonder if Sky Moore wouldn't have helped you there. Alec Pierce, a guy who you can count on special teams. Thornton really hasn't played special teams. Um, George Pickens was still there. So just their, their I don't want to say it's myopic focus on getting speed, but it's like, you know, you're told or you have a breakup with someone of a particular personality and you swing so far the other way with how they've been focused on three cones and they don't really care about forties to the guy who had the fastest 40 at the combine. Like, is that the best way to date or go about business? We'll see good trade. I just, you wonder about the value of the player. Well, and those receivers that you just mentioned, those guys are fast too. Yeah. <laughs> now, they didn't run a four two eight, but they all can run and they all would help your team speed and they could help you maybe some other phases of the game. It just comes back to, how are you stacking your board and how well do you have it in your room? How these players are valued elsewhere. Maybe Thornton would have gone in the second round. Maybe it would have been a massive reach for somebody else, but for the Patriots to do that with their first two picks, it sure looks like at least the evidence would suggest that, that they have an entirely different rating on some of these guys that end up being their two most important players in the draft class. Yeah. And look, it could still happen. I'm not here to say Cole Strange or Tyquan Thornton are not going to work out. I think you just right. look at the physical profile specifically for Thornton of guys historically who run a four, two are that skinny. Don't have great three cone times. It's not a great list. Like John Ross goes top 10, however many years ago to Cincinnati, he's not been able to stay in the field. And sure you got faster by having a four, two guy on the roster, but where you need to be faster is on the field. Like right. Nelson Aguilar was on the field for 15 games last year. How fast is the Patriots offense? You know, and like he's a it, fast guy, too. Right. Yeah, I mean, he, he exactly. had great time speed. That's why he was here to take the top off the defense. And I think he'll rebound. Like I've talked about that at length this offseason. But it's just a matter of who's going to be your instant impact guys. Because, OK, he he's the one exception to like your graying draft class here of 24 years or older. He's only going right. to be 22 this year. But I just think he has an uphill climb in that receiver room. And they talk about instant impact guys. And again, maybe we don't see it because we're going to start to see more clips come around of, oh, Tyquan Thornton, like smoking this guy downfield in the Big 12. You know who doesn't get drafted? Cornerbacks from the Big 12. <laughs> They're giving up points right and left. Like, I, I, I need. How many great receivers have come out of the Big 12 in the last few years? I mean, CD Lamb, right, is the one name that stands out immediately to me. You might have to go all the way back to Tyler Lockett, like, to come up with a, a great receiver drafted from that car. And it's because they don't play a lot of defense. It's just. It's there are so many questions with all these. I love your your analogy about what you do when you break up with a certain personality type because I think they they showed with this draft class 
that they were done. They're burning all the letters that they got from this 2019 draft class. Right. So Nikhil Harry power size, you know, leaping ability, whatever, like he just like this hulking wide receiver. Okay. So two years later, three years later, whatever it is, they figure out, okay, that doesn't work. Let's go with this guy who is wafer thin, but flies down the field. Unlike this guy that we just drafted in 2019 at corner in 2019, they go with six foot four length coming out as the ears, like Jawan Williams out of Vanderbilt this year, they go with two of the smallest corners in this year's draft class. And even at, even at quarterback, Bailey Zappi, Bailey Zappi is like the anti Jared Sim. This is like the bizarro draft class compared to 2019. It, you know, Zappi is considered really smart, really poised, makes good decisions, but a lot of arm strength concerns. Whereas Stidham, all we heard about Stidham coming out was arm talent, arm talent, arm talent, but inconsistent decision maker. So I think they've gone the complete opposite end of the spectrum at that position too. So it's just interesting to see and good for them. If this is how they're doing it and they're learning and they're trying to figure out, okay, that didn't work. Let's try this. It just feels like they've swung so far in the opposite direction. Now you have almost as many questions about these guys that they're bringing in now as you did about the guys they brought in 2019. Yeah. And I think I loved when we talked with Macro on Thursday night and Mike Reese goes in as friendly as possible talking about value, basically getting at how are you taking a guard in the first round with all these different players on the board? And you should tell they've heard the noise. Like, hey, if you want us to get faster, especially after they took Thornton, yeah, because Bill talked to us Thursday. This was Friday night with Mac Pro. If you want us to take, you know, get faster, we're going to take fast guys. He does that. We want to get tougher. We're going to take a guy like Cole Strange. So they hear the noise. I think it's just about that swing in the other direction. And the last thing I wrote before the draft was, this is going to be as much about evolution as it is evaluation because of all the bad draft classes. And we saw how they changed the process last year, home runs, Mac Jones, Christian Barmore, Ramondre Stevenson. Can they keep doing it? I think they just kept going a little bit too further in that direction where, you know, whether it's dating or cooking and you've just stayed away from sodium, sodium so bad. I'm not using any sort of salt. And then you just empty the shaker in this draft class, in your next meal. And everyone's like, I can't eat this. We can't, we can't do anything about this. So, well, th- but don't you look at last year's draft class as, to me, the big trends from that were massive programs, right? Alabama, Oklahoma, two guys from, from each program, right. To, to kind of fill out the meat of your, of your draft and, and positional value mattered to them last year, clearly, you know, and, and who knows how strongly they were considering going with another player at 15 overall, but at least they made what was clearly the right call to get a quarterback, whether it works or not, positional value is important. And they went with the most position, most important position on the field when they needed to. This is still a team that needs players at premium positions for now and in the you know near future here. And they went with a guard, two slot corners, two running backs. I mean, Andrew, they, they filled out their draft with positions that just do not We've seen it. They, they just don't move the needle enough. And this is a team that's still far enough away. It should not be, you know, adding bits and pieces to their roster as if they're filling out what is a championship group. This is a team that needed a serious influx of real talent at key spots. And I'm just not sure they were able to accomplish that with this draft. That's why I say Thornton to me, he almost makes or breaks the draft because it's yeah. such an important position. If he becomes a great player, mwah, great work, great draft. But otherwise it, it just feels like a low ceiling kind of draft the way it shapes up right now and he's also at that premium position like you're talking about i mean there's right. corner which in my mind would be the second or third most important position after quarterback but receivers up there 
And what about what about slot versus boundary though? That's that's what I was gonna get. Like the slot. You look at how much these guys are paid. Like the yeah. boundary guys are the twenty million dollar a year guys. It's not the five eight five ten guys. You know what's the strongest part of your corner depth? It's the slot. It's where Jonathan Jones is currently. That dude can fly. Like sure, he's in the last year of his contract. I'm not sure how much of a market he's gonna have, frankly, next spring, considering you know he was out most of this year with an injury. And you just look at his production. It's he's not he's never been a high interception guy. I think he's a good player, but. You're adding depth there, and it's just – I think you're right. The premium spot with the receiver is really going to be the make or break when you look at this class as an entirety. But before we get into kind of our favorite picks here, okay, zooming back out, what didn't they do I think tells us just as much about how they see about the roster as much as what they did do. People were clamoring for linebacker, and I've been on the record for months saying they like their guys better than the rest of us, and mm-hmm. they might be right. Cameron McGrone was only a fifth-round pick because he tore his ACL. He's in there with Juwan Bentley, Mac Wilson – um and i'm forgetting someone somewhere in the middle but raekwon mcmillan raekwon mcmillan thank you so four guys when you're not playing with the two inside linebackers a whole lot but to me that you know verified what i've been saying for months but besides that they don't really address edge no impact defensive linemen like they seem to be okay with their front seven as much as that was the impetus for everyone going you're really really slow and that's the problem yeah and that's listen that surprised me just because we know how much bill values not just defense, but front seven defense and front seven talent. And you look at, you know, basically, I don't know, 20% of his first round picks or something since he's been in new England have all been on defensive tackles. Like it's like, so there's, you know, there's a clear love for those spots. Um, so that surprised me that they didn't do it, but I, I give them credit for not doing it because, you know, like, again, we're talking about positional value. Another position that has been seriously devalued over the last few years has been linebacker. So, you know, Good on you for, yeah. for not spending a first round pick there. I, I thought they would be all over Quay Walker. And I think it was probably a good decision not to go linebacker there, but they go with probably the, an even less valuable position in guard, you know, so and running I, backs. Yeah. and running backs and, you know, again, slot corners, like boy. And, and, you know, a, a guy that you're hoping is a backup quarterback. Like these are not positions that win and lose you championships. They're just not. And, and they're going to have real needs at receiver next year so again they got a receiver in the second round good they're going to have real needs at tackle next year i mean i think they could end up having needs at tackle this year andrew if one of those two guys that they have gets hurt so that to me is is one that i'm surprised they didn't address um a little bit earlier just because that's a position where if you're not investing in it early you're you're just not getting one and so maybe that's how they felt they said hey we got this immediate need at guard here we'd love to have a tackle for the future but we got to get the guard first. And then once we're out of the first round, it's not worth going after tackles anyway. So screw that. Like I, I, I get that. Um, but it just felt like edge would be, you mentioned edge. That would have been another place. I wouldn't have been surprised to see them invest because after Matt Judon, does anybody know for sure what they have at that position? I would, I would say no right now. Yeah. So, even after two years of Josh Uche and Anthony Jennings, who don't yeah. play really last year, Jennings was out of an injury. Uche was healthy, nicked up a little bit, but just couldn't come on. None of those guys though, even Ronnie Perkins, same deal hold the edge, which you need on first and second down, you know, and perhaps it's a little overrated in new England, but look, that's where they're playing. What bill wants is what bill is going to get. And that means setting a strong edge, which they can't do right now, opposite Matt Judon, who also kind of softened up there. I think the other point, you know, and it kind of comes back to like my theory about they saw Cole strange last day, one starter, we got to take him was a need that you created on your own. People have made that point, Mm -hmm. but I think not going offensive tackle too is just, we need to protect Mac up the middle first and foremost. And he's a pocket bound ground bound statuesque passer. 
And those are things where they kind of chase the needs, but needs that they manufactured, which shaped his draft class, I think, more than when we always hear best player available. That's not what this class was really about. But um, time for some optimism. Give me your first, uh, your third favorite pick from this class. Ten players. Third okay. Favorite. So my third favorite pick from this class would probably be Pierre Strong. Mm. Now, I don't love it but he's, he's probably my third favorite because he gives you some juice. And I do think that's an important enough position in their offense. And it does, even though the running back position is the running back position, he does catch the football. And I think that's probably what he'll be asked to do here. Um, and it's a position you're, you're, again, you're probably gonna have a need, if not right now, very soon, you know, J- James White said over the weekend, he told Patriot season ticket holders that he's still got a ways to go before he's going to be cleared to play. So you need a third down back. I don't know if JJ Taylor is that guy. Um, Pierre Strong obviously gives him more size there, but he gives him some speed too. I, but he's got Andrew. He's got fumbling issues. I mean, five Pierre Strong year. five alone last year, so he's basically fumbling every other game. And now he might be the replacement for the guy who literally never fumbles in James White. That again, that's my third favorite pick. But I have some some serious issues with that one. Yeah, I'm glad you said Pierre Strong. I had him as number three, so I'll skip to my number two. And I think this is emblematic of. Um, the draft class, uh, it was Marcus Jones. Um, and he's five foot eight. If he's two inches taller, this dude has some of the most fun film of any prospect I watched over the last couple of months. It was just, he fits physically. They have a need there. I just, you can't trust them to play outside. And that's where they need help because Jonathan Jones undrafted. We talked about their success with undrafted corners. It's easier to find those guys a little bit smaller and quicker. Miles Bryant, same guy, but he's still so fun. And I think will have an impact specifically as a returner that he still comes to be my second favorite in this class. He he's my first favorite. He's me. He okay. He's the best for me just because of where the position matched up with the value and the versatility that he brings. You talk about everything. He's just so dynamic. And so if you're looking for guys to make plays, you know, just special teams, offense, defense, it doesn't matter. We need somebody who could break a game open somehow. I think that was a good investment in the third round he flies in and i do think too maybe this is what they have in mind with these smaller corners andrew they just saw two water bug freak athletes go down to miami and you know you have to match up with those guys twice a year and you know even if you have a a a longer corner who's a good athlete it's hard to keep up with those guys because they're so low cut and they can change direction so quickly like I felt like this was a good investment for a variety of reasons, but I put that near the top of the reason. So he he's my number one. My number two is actually Cole Strange, believe it or not. Oh, because all at, right. At least he's going to start for you, Andrew. And, and at least even though it's an over overdraft in terms of how the rest of the league viewed this player, at least he's going to play. And I'm not sure about the rest of this class. That So that's sort of where I'm at. It's a, it's a low bar, uh, but that makes him my second favorite. Well, if you feel bad about that low bar, do not, because my favorite pick, uh, and this is not entirely serious, was their last pick, Andrew Stuber out of Michigan. Oh, Stuber. He's, he's just a local a guy, guy. That like, and I found this out after the draft. I covered him for a hot second, two months doing high schools. I knew this. He's a Darian Connecticut guy. Connecticut you like guy. him because he's a Connecticut guy. <laughs> out with it. Darian is not where I grew up in Connecticut. Okay. I'm not popping out of the womb with a lacrosse stick in my hand, salmon colored <laughs> shorts the rest of my life, wherever I go. Not that you would know anything about that, but He's, you know, he's an investment that if it doesn't pan out, he's a seventh round pick. But you look at some projections, people had him fifth round, and it's because he checks out from a leadership standpoint. He's going to work his ass off. He's got prototypical time. And I think, you know, 
he's a guy who can play guard maybe inside early or go to tackle. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine. But like, that's where they were at, you know, pad some depth and just get a guy who kind of, you're not going to have any disagreement about. And listen, day three guys that are massive on the offensive line that have worked out for the Patriots in the past, you know, how about just a couple of years ago, Michael went another Michigan guy, like this guy's six foot seven, 325 pounds. I mean, that alone, you know, gives him a chance. I think, uh, Marcus Cannon's the other name I'm thinking of all the way back in 2011. And we know why he slipped. He's dealing with cancer at the time, but you know, for them to get a player that size from a big program, from a well-established unit where they, you know, they, it's the Joe Moore award, right. Is the, is the best yeah. offensive line in the country. Um, I like that pick too. I, and if it works out again, if you got a right tackle at the very end of the draft, congratulations, that could, that could save this draft the same way. You know, I think the Michael Wenu pick saves the, the 2020 draft. Like, Definitely. you know, Kyle Duggar, I think we both think can play, but they didn't get a whole lot from that class outside of Duggar, if not for Owenu. So uh, I like that one going off the board there a little bit, but it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to come up with three picks that I really like from this class. Again, it comes back to the things I said about the draft. Look at every pick is how good is the player? How likely are they to be that good? And then when did you get him? Was it fair value? And I think, you know, he's, however likely to be a backup swing tackle, you'll take that. Um, and you got him in the seventh round. So there's no real downside. I okay. thought for sure their, their seventh round tackle though, was going to be Ryan Van Demark from Yukon. Oh, that should have been my guy. That would have been Husky. Yeah. He went earlier though, right? He would have been your number one. I, he may, he may have, he yeah. may have um, by that point in the draft. I was, I don't know. I might've been comatose. <laughs> All right. Well, but you got to go. So we'll do this really quickly. Um, three least favorite picks for me. Um, number one was Kevin Harris running back into South Carolina. We talked about positional value. I think he's better than a fifth round pick talent wise. You just didn't need him Two is zappy. He's not going to help you this season. He's a guy I most saw his sixth, seventh round, no toolsy there that you can develop. And in my opinion, if you're going to sit a guy, find a guy you need to develop with some plus tools, not someone who's kind of polished and ready to go at this point. And number three for me was Tyquan Thornton. I just mentioned the receivers already on the board at that time. You got faster, but if he's not on the field, it doesn't really matter. Um, so in my mind, Sky Moore, George Pickens, and uh, maybe even Alec Pierce went a little bit better. But we'll see. I could be wrong. Thornton to me is is the worst. I'll kind of go in, in reverse order. But that to me, I asked one personnel executive that I know thought Cole Strange was overdrafted and asked him, is this as big a reach as, as what happened the night before? Maybe even bigger. So like – to hear that and see the receivers that go off immediately thereafter, that to me is, is the toughest one. And again, you're, you're rolling the dice on a, a body type that just does not work all that often in the NFL. Six to 180 pounds, eight inch hands. I mean, you're really praying that he can save this draft class. I don't know if he has the, the body type to kind of um, answer those prayers. Uh, I would go Zappy as my, my second least favorite pick. And then my least favorite is Jack Jones because I just, I don't know how that works. You're that light. You're not an elite athlete. You know, Calvin Austin from Memphis, the receiver, right? Special, special athlete, special athlete. He's tiny, but at least he gives you incredible juice. You're not getting that from Jack Jones as far as we can tell. Um, And he, and he comes with all of this additional stuff off the field that, you know, the academics that couldn't keep him on the field at USC, allegedly breaking into Panda Express. He's fighting people at practice at ASU. I mean, he has had a lot of opportunities here. 
and he just got another one. And so, you know, I don't know. I'm just not gambling on the fact that he finally gets everything completely turned around and he becomes a, a starting level player for you, which I think you're, you're hoping that he can be if you're, if you're taking him in the middle rounds that way. And it's a fine gamble, um, but just maybe two rounds later, maybe three. Yeah. Right. I, you know, I, I think, I don't think I know that there, there were some teams that just didn't even consider him not on the boards. So, you know, and that, that happens, right? Like I know there were teams that didn't have Juwan Bentley on their boards. Cause he's just too damn big. It right? doesn't, it just it doesn't, doesn't fit certain right. systems. Right. Yeah. But, it, but, but it speaks to just where they went. Like I tweeted the first night, the Patriots don't give a flying about what the other teams think. And that's fine, but it helps you determine when you can get guys. That's when it matters how they see prospects, not because you should adopt that opinion, but use it to inform your decision of when you can take them. And I think they just didn't do a whole lot of that though. Tyquan Thornton might've been an exception. Yeah. I, and that, that to me, again, I, I have as my least favorite pick of the trap, <laughs> but, but if it works out, you know, you, you save the entire thing. And so I'm, I'm glad that we can do this stuff now. Like I understand the people who look at, you know, we do, we're doing draft grades here. We did them for every pick. Uh, we'll do an overall draft grade for this class a little later today on NBC sports, Boston. I think it's fine. Like it's just, yeah. it, it's a, it's a good time to assess the decisions based on, you know, for you to say, or anybody to say that we can't grade them now would indicate that we have no information on any of these guys and that anything that they've done in their careers in college is just completely not predictive at all of what they'll do at the NFL. Right. So then what are any of us doing here following this thing in the first place? If it's, if it's, it is a crapshoot, I, I will say that, but you can still make an assessment of what the decision was, especially given what the decisions that happened around a given team were. So it's all fun. I think it's all worthwhile. We'll all end up being wrong, but that's okay. That's why we do this. Yeah. Just think of it probabilistically, you know, like right. just in terms of odds, was this a good bet? Did it have good odds? Are you putting a bet on a good player who could become great? Or was it someone you could have gotten later? Like, that's how you have to look at it. Uh, last one, we'll get you out on this since you mentioned the grades. Give us a range. You teased a little bit later mm. on NBC Sports Boston. Mm. Is this going to be in the C range? The D range? Do you know yet? It's going to be between a C, a flat C and a flat D. I'll give you that. Okay. It's going to be, it's going to be down there. What about you? Where, where would you put this? Uh, D plus. It's just, yeah. I, I don't think these were, were good bets. And the ones that you made that have, you know, pretty high likelihood of panning out, Cole Strange, I think will be a player. Um, you kind of put yourself in that position in the first place, you know, like you took two steps back to make one step forward and a guy you might've been able to get a little bit later and maybe they're right and we're wrong, but I think we just have to see it. I think you just, they didn't do a whole lot to help themselves in 2022 or 2023. And that's, that's the window. Now Mac Jones's rookie contract right. is getting closer to expiring every single day. But all right, he's Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston, King of the Draft. I don't know what you're going to do with yourself the next few months. I hope you find something to do besides these draft grades. But in the meantime, it's been awesome having you on, man. Andrew, I appreciate it. I might actually like spend some time with my family now. That might be. <laughs> I'm not know. sure they want if, that. At this if they'll point. have me, if they'll have yeah, me, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll see. For so long, we'll see. That's TBD. Yeah, take him to the beach. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Okay, meal time. Let's wrap this up. We got three questions from Twitter. First one: uh, <laughs> Skip the draft picks. Do their undrafted free agents. They're not only more interesting, they're likely to have a greater impact on the team long-term. Okay, I'm not that down on this draft class, but we can certainly talk about the undrafted free agents. Patriots got seven right after the draft ended. Um, I checked in on a couple of these guys. I think they're excited about Texas safety, Brennan Schooler. Schooler was a guy that I named as a potential safety fit, maybe seventh round pick. 
obviously doesn't get drafted. He's got 4-4 speed. This dude flies around with complete reckless abandon. No concern for any human life. Impact guy on um, punt coverage, kick coverage down at Texas, and had seven starts on defense last year. Another name I'll throw out at you, you know, for a different reason, Miami quarterback De'Eric King. Uh, he was the cherry on top of the oldest draft class I think the Patriots have ever had because this dude is going to turn 25 during training camp in late August. They're going to try him as a developmental receiver. Joe Judge worked him out down in Miami. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think it'll be a fun watch. Maybe they move him around, maybe have him throw a couple of passes. It's just hard for me to see him make the roster. Now, back on the good side, um, Alabama defensive lineman LeBron Ray. This dude is six foot four, 283 pounds. Injuries just decimated his career. He didn't really have a whole lot of time to develop and get over them, but he was a five-star recruit um, and he did play and make two starts last year, which tells you, you know, look, he was good enough to play in that Alabama defense, not only, you know, as a rotational guy, but make a couple of starts. So he only had 11 tackles, that lack of production plus with the injuries, I think is why he didn't get drafted, but in terms of body type and pedigree, you'd rather roll the dice on guys. And I'll tell you the Patriots even go back and look at, some of the recruiting guides, you know, five-star guys that might have some potential that for whatever reason was untapped in LeBron Ray's case, obviously it's due to injuries. Second question, why draft two running backs? Uh, very good question. One I'm still answering myself. I think you look at Pierre Strong, Bill and I talked about him, our third favorite draft pick of this class. You could probably bump him up to my favorite. I, I was kind of being cute there with Andrew Stuber, but I think Kevin Harris out of South Carolina, we talk about injuries. This dude had back surgery that delayed him for all spring workouts last year, which I'll tell you, having covered college football are critical to the development of not only just your team, but individually. This is where you get in all those 5.30 a.m. workouts, you're running, you're preparing, goes into the summer. Kevin Harris missed all that. But what he did do before then was lead the SEC in rushing and averaging something like 8.2 yards per carry. That's going up against the Floridas, the Alabamas, the Georgias, okay, and he was in the SEC East, so it's a little lesser competition than the West with Auburn and Alabama, but he's still doing it, and that's for a bad South Carolina time team. So I think they looked at Kevin Harris as best player available, and honestly, they you know show that's worked in the past because what was Damian Harris doing in the third round of the 19 class? He was a best player available. There's someone they added, played special teams at Bama, solid running back. Lo and behold, that paid off. So I'm not saying Kevin Harris is going to be that guy, but had he come out, after 2020 or been able to come out from South Carolina leading the SEC in rushing is a day two pick written all over him. So it's really just the injuries that held him back. And I think they're just saying, we'll get as many guys in here as possible. Damian Harris last year of his contract. We'll see who can stick. Last question. Why the lack of linebackers? Um, we talked about this with Phil. So I guess Phil did answer a mailbag question. Thank you, Phil. Uh, it goes back to what I've been saying all along. They like their guys. I'm going to remember all four of them now much better than the rest of us. Cameron McGrone, Juwan Bentley, Raquan McMillan, and Mac Wilson, who they got from Cleveland. So that's also a position where you got to remember the Patriots' first and longest answer for adding speed has just been, we'll play a box safety. They'll bring one down, started with Patrick Chung. Now you see Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips doing it. Um, that's how they answer the question of how are we going to cover running backs and tight ends. They're not going to put their linebackers very often in those positions. So it's just a position that you don't have a whole lot of snaps. It's been viewed as, as Phil talked about, you know, kind of um, undervalued or overvalued in recent years. So you see a lot of teams across the league are not paying linebackers unless you're, you know, a, a Mike in a four, three scheme where he's going to stay in the field and all three downs. The Patriots just don't do that. You have safeties there on early downs and then on, you know, third down or obvious passing situations, John Bentley's jogging off the field. So they feel good about their guys. Cam McGrone though does have three down potential. And he was the first linebacker at a macro's mouth 
when he was talking about that group after the draft, which tells you what I've been saying. They're high on that kid. Watch him this summer. So that'll do it. Fourth episode. If you like what you've heard, let's just admit it. Clearly you have. You stuck around to the end. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Pat's Interference. We're still growing here. The next couple episodes are going to be the real test of how far this thing can go. Uh, We'll have a new episode next week. Keep it here on Tuesdays. And until then, try to talk yourself a little back off from the ledge, if you don't mind. (laughs) 